Welcome to Noon Edition. Uh, I'm Adam Ragusea of WFIU News. I'm sitting in for Bob Zaltzberg and Mary Catherine Carmichael, who couldn't make it today. Uh, but I'm delighted to be with three representatives of the Monroe County Public Library. I'm here joined by Interim Director Sarah Laughlin, Community Relations Director Margaret Harder, and President of the Library Board of Trustees John Walsh. You can join the conversation by phoning us at uh, local call in the Bloomington area, 855-0811, toll-free from anywhere, 877-285-9348. And you can also send an email to noon at indiana.edu. Folks, thanks for braving the frozen tundra to make it to the studio this morning. You're welcome. We're happy to be here. Uh, Sarah Laughlin, I, we were just talking before the uh, before the show about how when it's going to be rough weather, you have to actually go around as part of your duties and determine whether or not the library is going to close. How does that work? Um, well, we have uh, we make the decision by we try to make the decision by six o'clock in the morning so that we can be sure to get it on the radio for, so our own staff don't start out under dangerous conditions. So, I get up about five thirty or so, Oof. and I have a a list of staff members who live in every corner of the county who I call and consult, and they they also get up and we, you know, we look at the weather channel and we use whatever we. We can, and then we actually go out and drive around, much like the school corporation people do, to see what the condition of the roads are, is uh, off the main off the main roads. Uh, frequently, we open the main li- the libraries and don't send the bookmobile out if mm-hmm. the if the roads are bad. Um, so today <laughs> we decided that it was safe to open the libraries, and the bookmobile doesn't run on Friday, so we dodged a bullet there. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'd like to go down the line and have each of you talk about uh, who you are and how you came to be where you are today. Uh, John Walsh, you've been uh, on the board for three years. Uh, Who were you appointed by? I was appointed by the county council, and uh, I'm a professor in the School of Library and Information Sciences, and I've been around Bloomington for about 20 years and have two young children, so we're all frequent users of the library and the various services that are offered there. And while we're on it, we should mention that Sliss is uh, one of the best library schools in the country, correct? Yes, it is. And I'm very (laughs) happy and proud to be there. All right. And uh, Interim Director Sarah Laughlin, you have a very, very long history and illustrious history with uh, libraries in Indiana. Tell us about it. Right. One of my staff said I was a fixture, and I, I think that's just in advance of being bronzed or something. Um, I, I've i been in a librarian for about 30 years. I started my career at the Cincinnati Public Library. Mm-hmm. When I came back to Bloomington, I volunteered at the Monroe County Public Library. Some of the reference librarians that I volunteered under are still there, so wow. it's a real pleasure to be back. Um, and I think part of my service um, model came from working with those extremely dedicated people. So I I feel like I go back a long way. But my career trajectory has been not really a straight-line path uh, that you might expect. I've been in a a kind of a non-traditional jobs for a long time. I ran a, a regional consortium for 15 years here in Bloomington and covering 10 counties, and then that consortium merged into a statewide consortium. I worked there for a couple of years as the director of planning, and then I've been a consultant for 10 years. So I've been out and about working in libraries all over the country, um, and my my particular interest was process improvement. Hmm. And we'll return to how you came to uh, head up the library at this time in just a minute. Uh, Margaret Harder, you've spent eight years uh, at the library. Has most of that been as community relations director? No, I came to the library in 2000 to be the Health Central um, librarian, the Consumer Health Hmm. Library. And I worked in the Adult Services Department, and I was thrilled to come over to the public library because I started out, and there were 13 librarians in that department, and I thought, this is terrific. I think the most interesting people you can work with are librarians. So it was a great, great start. (laughs) I'll go ahead and mention that uh, I spent most of my time in college as a a reference assistant at the music library at the school that I went to. So I'm kind of a member of the club. I'm not really. Okay. Anywho – I want to remind our guests that we're speaking with uh, folks from the Monroe County Public Library today, and we certainly welcome uh, the public joining in in the conversation. You can phone us at 855-0811. 
toll-free at 877-285-9348, or you can email us at noon at indiana.edu. Uh, now, we have to mention that uh, we're having this conversation on the heels of what, by a lot of estimations, was a bit of a rocky period for the library. Um, I'm wondering if uh, any of you could offer an estimation as to the legacy of uh, former director Cindy Gray's tenure, two-and-a-half-year tenure leading the library, both positive and negative, and how that informs uh, your approach to managing the library today. Well, there was definitely a lot of positive under Cindy Gray. The library moved forward. Um, We established a number of important partnerships, Uh, a couple examples. We partnered with a community group that provides services to the Latino segment of our community, and they now have a space in the library downtown. We set up a satellite library in the Banneker Center, and that's been a great success, and we have other programs and services for kids out there. We were just, my kids and I were just there for a uh, aeronautic paper airplane activity (laughs) run by Josh, who heads our children's services department. Uh, Cindy spoke up when the Bloomington Entertainment and Arts District was created, and that's a great initiative of the city, but it excluded some important players in the geographic area that was set up, including the library. And I think Cindy was instrumental in speaking up and getting that expanded to include the library and some other important institutions downtown. We instituted a new, modern, up-to-date library system, Polaris, and that's been in service now for a year, and that's been a great success and offers a number of new features and improvements for our users. It's a modern web interface. It allows people to do holds and things online, allows people to pay fines online, allows people to do self-checkouts at the library. And then we, uh, with cooperation from the county, we instituted a capital projects fund, which is instrumental for growing the library, keeping the services we have going. And uh, so all those things are very great things that happen under Cindy. Uh, there were some, you know, issues that came up in the press, and there was uh, some of the staff that started to organize and talk about unions and things like that. So that happened under Cindy. I'm not sure, you know, what all can be directly related to hmm. her role, uh, but you know, we're very happy with what happened at the libraries over the last two years and, and how we moved forward. And as any person in a position of authority, you know, you're going to have supporters and detractors and you're going to make mistakes. And I don't think anything was different there. Um, So that's what I have to say about Cindy. Well, after her departure, uh, Sarah Laughlin, what led you to want to step up to the plate and and take the helm, at least for the time being? Um, Well, first of all, I should say I just I love this library. I've I've lived in town and been a user and a and a a colleague and a, you know, kind of watcher and supporter of the library for a long time. I actually served on the board for four years, and um, so I, I felt like I, uh, you know, they needed someone that that could restore trust. I felt like I could do that, and um, and I, I I want it to to remain a world class library, which I I think it is. All right, we're going to go ahead and open up the phones now. So uh, let's. We've got Charlie waiting patiently on the line. Charlie, what's your question? Hi, um, I love the library. I'll say that first of all. And um, I'm a blind patron, and I've been trying to get an answer to this question for some time, and can't ever seem to get a clear answer. I'm wondering about descriptive DVDs. I heard there was five hundred dollars worth sitting in a box in a back room. Um, and I'm just wondering, you know, not many people still have the VHS players and um, visually impaired and blind people uh, are wanting descriptive DVDs, and I'm wondering what the story is there. The library does offer descriptive videos, as you're saying, and closed captioned, and I'm not aware of of how many we may have in DVDs, and that's something that we would certainly want to make available uh, to those who could make use of them and 
Yeah, we'll, there's, there's we'll really follow not, up. We'll there's follow not up. any. <laughs> we'll follow up on that. Thank you for the suggestion. Uh, so is there $500 worth sitting in a box in I, the room? Not that I know of, but then I haven't looked in every box either. So there, okay. there might be, but I, I, we'll find out. Okay, thank you. Thank you very much for the call, yeah. Charlie. Uh, if, I, if any of you could speak to generally, what is the library's approach to uh, – to serving folks with, with various types of, of disabilities, whether it's blindness or anything else? Our information uh, systems folks are in charge of that, and I know they've been working over the last couple of years looking at what kinds of assistive technologies we want to add at the library. In the Public Computing Center, there are stations, particularly for folks with wheelchairs, that bring them to the right level we're certainly conscious of, of that. But in terms of serving blind patients, I imagine that the technology available for that has changed a lot in the recent years and there have been some advancements. Absolutely, and it continues to change. Um, I think our challenge is that um, – or, or our approach is often one of, of, personal, of personal assistance, you know, so that if – um, if we, if someone tells us that our buildings or our collections or our services are not meeting their needs, then we ask them to work with us to help to improve that. It's very hard to imagine what will work and what won't work. And sometimes just the standards that are out there are not fully, you know, don't, don't give you the assistance, don't quite make it perfect. So sure. um, we, I know we've worked with a number of people with a variety of disabilities over the years to try to address issues of deafness or physical disabilities or um, blindness. So we're con- it's a continual challenge for us, but um, we're, we're always happy to do that. I'd like to talk a little bit about how people can give us suggestions sure. or, or uh, feedback. We have really a number of ways. The, the, the simplest way, if you're in the library, is there, the comment card. There are comment cards located all over the library, and we love getting those back because they do give us a, a very quick um, picture of what's working and what's not working. We get probably, I don't know, 30 or 40 a month. Maybe. It varies, but that's um, a good. And and then you you know we also have a comment form on our on our website, so people can send us emails, and I get those regularly as well. You can write in, you can call in, um, you can tell any staff member, and they will they will um, get the information back to me. One of the things that I, I actually just spent some time this week, I, I try to look at them every week and I respond to the ones where people ask for a response, not always every week because I'm still um, on a very steep learning curve. But um, I brought a couple of them with me mostly because I wanted to um, – what strikes me when I read them is not only how descriptive people are in their in their suggestions and concerns but also how frequently they offer suggestions and that is really very helpful to us. So sure, let's hear one. Here's one um, that says, um, I waited months and months for the book The Little Princesses, the story of the queen's childhood by her nanny, to finally arrive. And I'm unable to renew it even once because someone else has discovered the book I requested the library purchase. I'm very upset. I'm halfway through. Things have finally settled down so I can read at night. And bam, I have to return the book in two days for someone who has put it on hold. There needs to be a shorter renewal time in the future for patrons if someone else is waiting, but not the present policy of no renewals at all. This week we met with our customer service committee and we were talking about um, what we could do, how we could use our new system to give people a reminder. We already do that for the regular return, but we, you know, I think there may be some ways that we can use our system to to alert people that there is a hold and that they might want to read faster, stay up a little later. Um, and, and so, you know, that, this kind of comment really helps us go back and look at our, our systems and our processes and see if there's some way we can do it. Here's another one. I read an article in the HT not long ago about the library board taking, considering projects for renovations to the library. I have a suggestion. One day last fall when I was returning books via the drive-up window, I miscalculated the arc and scraped my car up against one of the yellow posts. (laughs) And uh, it's an awkward area. I know that. I have made this turn many times before without incident, even though I'm a short person and can't see exactly where I am. So now I have yellow paint from the post on my right fender and a cracked headlight cover. Um, And 
So she suggests that a problem like this be addressed by the board and corrected as soon as possible. This wasn't sent to you in a subpoena. <laughs> no. Um, and, you know, the, we know we have a parking issue. We, get, we just know we have a parking issue, and it's not really our, our issue alone. It's a downtown problem more generally. Um, and the drive-up window offers a way for people to pick up and return things without having to come in. You can actually use our system at home to place a hold on something, even if it's in the library, we will pull it off the shelf and put it at the drive-up window for you to pick up. As you can imagine, that service is extremely popular. And, um, and so we're working right now to try to streamline our process enough that we can continue to respond because it's growing like topsy. And I think we're doing six or 700 a month. I think it's a month. Surely it's not a day. Maybe it's a week. Anyway, it's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot. Yeah, okay. <laughs> and uh, it's, it's, it's stretching our, our capacity to do it. And sure. we don't want to not do it because of but we know it's a, a real convenience for people. So uh, we're working on the drive-up window. I've been out several times looking around. And the problem is there, there isn't a lot of places to put to, to make it bigger. Sure. Um, but we're, we're thinking about it and trying to figure out a way to do it. Um, so we understand that. But anyway, we love these comments when they come in because they do make us re, rethink um, what we're doing. Well, speaking of patron comments, we have Lisa waiting patiently on the line. Lisa, you're on the air. Hello. Hi, Lisa. What's your question? Um, well, I have two questions. And first, I'd want to start off by saying how much I love the library. And it's just a wonderful resource for our community, and I'm, I love it. My children love it. My daughter uses the online catalog. Um, it's always a very friendly place. I wanted to know if there's a way I could show my support financially to the library. And then the second part of the question is um, if Sarah would know or anybody else how the property tax changes proposed by our governor would affect the library funding, would we have to uh, compete with sidewalks or police salaries? Well, Lisa, we may touch on that second part of your question a little bit later in the show, but let's go ahead and take that first one. How can we take Lisa's money? Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, we, we have a very wonderful Friends of the Library group, and um, it, the membership is very reasonable into the, in the Friends group at the, at the you know, basic entry level. I believe it's... Um, But there's also the I want to be the gold-plated friend category, uh, and and that is, you know, you can make the check out for whatever you'd like to make it out for. The library itself also has a gift fund, um, and uh, I'm going to defer to Margaret for exactly – do we have envelopes handy somewhere or you can use your own envelope and send it to that at, to our main library address and we will take that money and make use of it the way you want and send you a wonderful thank you thank you for the, your kind comments about the library and and wanting to help us out speaking to the 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 caller earlier about our uh, assistive technology we've gotten donations of mm-hmm. things such as our video eyes we have two of those that enlarge magazines that people need to read and those came from from folks in the community who felt that was the place for for helping out that way I want to remind our listeners that we're speaking with folks from the Monroe County Public Library today. We have uh, John Walsh, who's the president of the library's board of trustees, Sarah Laughlin, who's the interim director, and Margaret Harder, who is the community relations director. And you can join the conversation by calling us at 855-0811, toll-free 877-285-9348, or go ahead and email us at noon at indiana.edu. So let's go ahead and move on to the second half of Lisa's question and talk about some legislative issues. Obviously, uh, any unit uh, of local government or that's funded by property taxes in any way is, I'm sure, I imagine quite interested in the recommendations of the the, the Kern and Shepherd Commission and uh, the property tax debate going on at the State House right now. To clarify, uh, before we get into that conversation, Sarah Laughlin, what 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 portion of the library's funding comes from from property tax revenue and what comes from COET? 62.8% 62.8% of our 2008 budget comes from property tax. So that is almost two-thirds of our budget. That's the bread and butter in our budget, without which we would really not be able to run the library 
as you know it. 28.8 percent, the second largest uh, um, percentage of our budget is from county option income tax. So it's uh, that's you know also a very important source of funds for us. We also get a 5 percent of our funding from the license excise tax probably – uh, something that nobody well, really I've, realized. Yeah, I've never heard of that. <laughs> right, uh, and that's you know what a piece, a little piece of what you pay when you you get a drive uh, license your car, um, and fines and fees account for about two percent of our um, of our overall budget. Overall budget. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and and what 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 fiscal is the library in at this point? Well, we're you know we're in the black. We we run a pretty tight ship at the library, um, and our budget is, uh, you know, because of the controls on property tax. M- many people think that property tax is just going up and up, but actually, from the other side of the table, uh, there are very strict controls on f- uh, public agencies and how much you can increase your budget. And um, so we, you know, we we. It probably doesn't go up as much as inflation every year. We we have to we have to um, figure out creative ways to balance our budget every year. Um, what's what's on the horizon? F- and we're very fortunate to have gotten our first capital projects fund in 2007. We'll get the money for that for the first time in 2008, which is allowing us to move some capital expenses outside of our operating budget, which did allow us to give our staff a, a three percent raise this year and managed to cover our health insurance increase. Um, we're worried about 2012. This is kind of a, a hard thing to understand, but in 2012, we'll pay off our bond issue for the renovations on the main library. Um, and um, with that, uh, the the old formula for figuring county option income tax in the county meant that if you bonded, you actually increased your percent of the total of the overall income tax, county option income tax that you received. So when you paid off your bond, your percent went down unless you rebonded. They changed the rules on that in 2005. That's not the way it works anymore. Yeah, that anymore. seems like a very odd incentive. I think, uh, I think they – I think somebody realized that it had had some unintended consequences. But the impact of that for us is about – we think about $500,000 a year out of our approximately $7 million budget. So it's a very big – it's a very big hit. Has anyone in the organization run the numbers on how uh, the governor's proposed one, two, three uh, property tax cap system would impact uh, the library's revenues? Um, statewide – We've run the numbers, okay. and I haven't looked at them um, in great detail for this library. Um, it's not. Do you have any initial not, impressions that you could share? Um, I think it'll be more punitive over time because the the caps actually roll in over a period of three years, and so the first year is only part. It's only part of the part of the overall picture, and then it and then as as they roll out more, it it. You know, it's tighter and tighter. Sure. I, I want to I mention that uh, our phone lines are completely jammed at this point, and we have uh, a bunch of folks waiting very patiently on the line, and we're going to get to all of them if they can, uh, if they can be patient with us. Uh, we're almost to the halfway point of the show, but let's get another caller in first. Sarah, you're on the line. This is a silly thing to say, but maybe it would work. I was listening to the woman who was concerned about the damage to her car when she was in that tight turnaround for the uh, uh, return uh, window. I wonder, couldn't you put instead of those metal yellow things that are so scary, <laughs> couldn't you make flexible ones? Well, that's an excellent idea. I, I, I rubbery hope... ones. You know, they have them on some of the the lane divider places. Yes, yeah, I know yeah. what you mean. Uh, I think the only trouble is that if you went over that flexible thing, you'd be down into the stairway for the staff door, which might not be such a good <laughs> idea. Oh, maybe not that flexible. <laughs> maybe not co- totally flexible, but yes, maybe the bounce back kind. Yeah. I hope my facilities manager's listening. Or even, and, even if not bounce back, at least cushioned with something. Right. Sure. We can look into that. Thank you very sure, much. Bye. Thanks for the suggestion, Sarah. Uh, Joe, you're on the show. Uh, uh, first of all, congratulations uh, to the new interim director. Uh, I think she's uh, going to have a big challenge, especially if the uh, country uh, goes into a recession, uh, which we seem to be heading for. Uh, 
And that, uh, what I'd like to raise the issue of the fact that I really miss the old format uh, for the library book sale, uh, where uh, we could go into the library, I think it was on Wednesday or, and, and maybe another day, uh, where there were always uh, lots of different members from the community representing everybody uh, from the, the college, from IU, uh, from um, all socioeconomic levels in the community. And uh, the nice thing about it is that, uh, as I understand it, it generated tens of thousands of dollars that were given uh, to the library for whatever. And uh, this uh, seemed to have stopped in 2005 uh, when the new director got in. And I'm just wondering if uh, uh, there's any plan to revive the, the old format, uh, which would uh, bring more people in to the library and at the same time give the library an injection of uh, capital that it's going to sorely need in the next few years. John Walsh, uh, president of the board, you want to address that question? Well, first I want to thank you, Joe, for your comments about uh, our new director, Sarah, and add that uh, the board and all the staff I've heard from are you know, very happy with Sarah coming in as she did and helping out the library, and we're thrilled to have her on board and looking forward to continuing to work with her. Um, so just want to say that. And as far as a book sale, I was uh, a frequent customer of those weekly book sales, and it's something, you know, I do have some nostalgia for and miss a little bit. So I would welcome their return. We have a new bookstore uh, run by the Friends of the Library that serves the same function of bringing in revenue and providing that book sale. That was the idea, right? It was just to transfer the book sale into a permanent right. bookstore. Uh, we outgrew that, that space. And I don't think the fire marshal was excited about us having <laughs> having our exit space and all that space taken up with the book sale. We're now able to have a, the bookstore open three days a week, Tuesdays and Thursdays and Saturdays, and have reached back to the, the same amount. And maybe no, actually, gone more. No, actually, it's a statistically significant increase. I put it yes. through my statistical process program. Huh. So, Joe, if you haven't found it, you have to go it, through the AV department. It's, it's, it's in the back of the AV department now, Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday. I think it's noon to 5. On one Saturday, yes. And on Thursday, noon to 7. Noon and then seven. on Tuesdays, 9 to 7. Joe, and so I think we're actually reaching more people than we were on the Tuesday morning sale. Sure, because, sure. Joe, have you patronized the new uh, bookstore, and how has that compared to your experiences with the book sale? Uh, well, um, when uh, we were there, um, it seemed like um, the, the number of people was way down. And also, um, uh, it's like... Um, uh, we bought a couple of uh, beautiful posters uh, over there, and uh, uh, when I inquired as to where they were getting it, uh, where they were coming from, because I, you know, like to get more, they said that they were, they had sold off the entire collection of posters that the library had accumulated. Um, you know, looking at this from a capitalist perspective, it's almost uh, like if I were uh, the, uh, uh, the pr- uh, in charge of the national parks and started to sell them off in order to raise capital. Uh, that's why I think um, uh, if, the, if, the total number, if the total net from that book sale has gone up under the new format, um, I think the foundation should examine carefully uh, where the increases have come, if, they, if they've come from selling off assets, uh, that uh, portends uh, for, for the future a decrease in revenue, and the old format or some other approach that involves more members of the community uh, you know, might be appropriate. I think this is an issue uh, that should be taken up uh, by the director or the board or whoever is responsible and pursued thoroughly because it's going to affect uh, the amount of monies that the library is going to generate down the road. Okay, thanks for the thoughtful call, Joe. Let's get a response to that. Um, l- let me start out by saying um, we may, the, the Friends of the Library runs the bookstore, and um, they actually f- uh, gave us $100,000 this year for, to support our it, – it virtually supports all of our programming. So we're very grateful to the Friends, and, um, and that's the largest m- amount they've given us in the history of the Friends. Um, the book sale um, gets books from the you know discarded items from the library, um, and also from the community. 
the last time I talked to them, I know that they were running almost one for one. So the books are, are going out of the bookstore about as fast as they could come in. They are, they're going to have a clearance sale in mid-February. I think it's 11, 12, The 13, 15th through the oh, 18th, sorry. starting Friday and going through the weekend. And then the free day is Monday the 18th. And so if you have, if you're cleaning out your closets in your spring cleaning <laughs> and you have especially children's books or biographies or recent fiction, uh, we would love to have it at the library to put into the book sale. It does come back to the library and benefit the library almost immediately. So. Okay, well, we've reached the halfway point of the show, and we do have still more callers waiting very patiently on the line. We ask that they just wait a little bit longer. We've got to take a quick break, but we'll be back in uh, a minute and a half with leadership from the Monroe County Public Library. Stay with us. You're listening to Noon Edition on member-supported WFIU, Production support comes from Closets 2, providing organized and expanded closet and storage space for home office and garage, using a variety of systems with no major renovations. Closets 2, owned and operated in Bloomington, 332-2233. And from South Dunn Street Project, represented by Brian Lappin Real Estate, classic bungalow-inspired architecture in the Bryan Park neighborhood of Bloomington, www.southdunnstreet.info. WFIU is a media sponsor for the Week of Chocolate. Options hosts the 11th Annual Chocolate Fest. It's an all-you-can-eat chocolate extravaganza with local, regional, and national chocolate and specialty food vendors. The 11th Annual Chocolate Fest takes place at the Bloomington Convention Center Saturday, February 2nd from 5 to 8. More at WFIU.org. And we're back. You're listening to a noon edition here on WFIU. I'm Adam Ragusea, sitting in for Bob Zaltzwerk and Mary Catherine Carmichael, joined here in the studio by John Walsh, who's the president of the Board of Trustees of the Monroe County Public Library, Sarah Laughlin, who's the interim director, and Margaret Harder, who is the community relations director at the library. If you want to join the conversation, you can call us at 855-0811 or 877-285-9348. You can send an email to noon at indiana.edu. And I don't think we've gotten any emails yet today, so feel free to send one through, especially if you get a a busy signal because we've had a lot of callers today. Uh, And we've had Michael waiting patiently on the line. Michael, you're on the air. Yes, good afternoon. Good afternoon. Uh, First, I'd like to start off by saying thank you. You guys have done some wonderful work for our library. My wife and I really enjoy coming to the library on the weekends and all the wonderful materials that we can get there. Um, Getting back to, I believe it was your first caller's question about the drop-off, I wanted to make a suggestion. Has the idea of a satellite drop-off point ever been discussed? And I'll uh, take my response offline. Thank Thank you. Thank you. Yes, it has been discussed. They've looked at various locations from at the mall having some type of of drop-off or other places. And that's certainly something we're always considering as we're looking for ways to reach people in all the county in addition to our, our bookmobile and our outreach van, having ways to make it easier and easier for people to use us. Well, let's also talk about the fact that it's not the Bloomington Public Library. It's the Monroe County Public <laughs> Library, as I'm sure a lot of our listeners would love to point out. Uh, what get, Run us through the basic facilities as they go down countywide. Well, we actually only have two facilities. Mm-hmm. We have the main library on Kirkwood, which I'm sure everybody's pretty familiar with, and we have a branch in Ellettsville. But there's also the bookmobile. And the, and- but then we have mobile units here and there. Uh, we have the Bookmobile, which has a regular schedule, and um, and that's available on our website if, you think the, if you'd like to know when the Bookmobile's passing by your neighborhood. We also have an outreach van that goes to some um, sites. Some, they, I know they go to the Head Start. They go to daycares and daycares. preschools, but also many senior living centers, centers. And, and gathering spots for seniors. And we have a homebound delivery service. So if you're a person who can't get out and, and you would like a, a steady supply of, of things to read, um, we will actually bl- deliver those to your door. Um, and, that, and they're out there today, even though the weather's a little shaky. And of course, folks interested in that service can just go ahead and call the library. That's right. And ask for the outreach department and they'll set you right up. All right. Let's talk about uh, overall patronage at the library, which I understand has been up 
in recent months? How, how, how much and over what period of time? Well, I just pushed the button on my uh, annual report for the state library today, and I was so I've been gathering the numbers. I've been very knee deep in in numbers all month, um, but I was absolutely thrilled to see that for the tenth year in a row, our circulation is up, and this year it was two point two seven eight million, and that is a lot of items coming and going. But in addition to that, we had. Um, 1.368 million um, visitors through our living room. Um, <laughs> that's an average of 3,854 people a day. Um, and so you can understand why our carpet gets a little worn from time to time. We also uh, had 1,723,000 virtual visits. That is, uh, people come, you know, using the website this year. So uh, I'm very interested that that number, uh, the, the, the walk-in and surf-in numbers are almost identical. Um, 1,321 uses of meeting rooms by community groups and 1,400 uses of the meeting rooms for, for, by us for our own community programs. 43,000 people attending programs. And that's almost eight events a day in the library. Um, and we, you know, uh, I think the other thing that I'm very proud of is that we've won a couple of awards. This, we've won more than a couple of awards. We we were recognized as a top ten American library. Um, we're second among public libraries across the country, serving 100,000 to 250,000 people. And I want to point out that we our population is 120,000. So we're near the low end of the population on that in that group. And um, so that's really nice. We also won the Chambers uh, Workforce Development Award this year, and we were just so thrilled with that. Um, and our CATS, our, our Community Access Television Station, won several awards this year. Our Children's Department uh, wins awards, you know, regularly. So um, we, we, we like to be uh, playing with the big dogs. Uh, it's interesting that you said that the use of the library virtually rather than on foot in person has been outpacing uh, the in-person visits. But nonetheless, the in-person visits have been growing, right? Right. What, what, what the national research says is that people who are active web users are, all, are also likely to be active information users and readers in general. So, um, you know, bookstore sales are also up. So, it, it, you know, we're just – we're more educated – community than we used to be, and um, people are still reading. So MCPL isn't going to go purely virtual anytime soon? I don't think so. <laughs> Not unless our parking problems get really worse. <laughs> uh, let's go back to the phones. We have Catherine on the line. Hello. Hi, Catherine. What's your question? Um, I'm hoping that uh, my complaint no, is no longer an issue. <laughs> um, I really think the library is wonderful. I just love the library, but uh, I'm I'm in the county, um, and it's really kind of slipped off our radar radar screen. And the reason is this: my husband and I both work. Uh, we work during the day. We're tired in the evenings. We go home, and then for years, especially when our son was young, we would think, "Oh, gee, let's go to the library. That's a fun thing, wholesome thing to do," and. The library was closed because it was a weekend evening. It was a Friday evening or Saturday evening or Sunday evening. The library was closed. So we didn't use it um, because there were activities during the day. And I just don't understand why a world-class library is closed on weekend evenings. Tell me it's now open. I can't. <laughs> um, we are open 69 hours a week in Bloomington and 65 hours a week in Ellettsville. Um, and with our very tight budget situation and tight staffing, um, I think that I know what we looked at this when I was on the board and really just simply couldn't figure out a way to squeeze one more evening out of the resources we had. So the, the tough choice we face is closing, you know, shifting hours, mm -hmm. opening later in the day during the week in order to find some time on the weekend. Um, I know it's, I know it's a, an ongoing issue for people. Um, I will say that we just um, yesterday, uh, I think it was yesterday, agreed that we would um, in, experiment a little bit with downloadable books 
Um, so stand by. There may be a way pretty soon that you can um, download a book onto your little MP3 player and listen to it. If your eyes are tired and you're too tired to come in, then you may be able to get something good to read without having to having actually. To do that. Actually, that's not the point for us. Um, the point for us is that the library is. I mean, it's something that was very expensive to build. It was something that we paid for. And it's something we want to enjoy the facility. We want to go in and browse. It's a hub of um, the community, you're saying, Catherine, right? <laughs> um, I mean, I hope you would appreciate that. I if do. everything goes to downloadable, we won't need the sure. big facility. I, I do understand that, and I'm thrilled that you want to come. And uh, <laughs> so I'm, I'm making a note to myself. We, we are in the middle of a strategic planning process, and I know you're not the only one who would like us to be open and on Friday evening and and later and more on well, Sunday. I mean, we would be we would it would be a family thing for us to do. Even though our son's seventeen, now, <laughs> it is something we would do. We would go down there and just you know sit around and browse and take a book and look through it and Which, see what else is there. And, and um, well, I think Kath- Kath- a lot can of I ask families you, that would do that. Catherine, can I ask you before we uh, before we let you go here, if there was just one block of time over the course of the week where you would like to see the library open, what would that be? Just one block of time? I'd say Friday or Saturday night for us would be the best. Especially, I think especially Saturday night because, like I said, after working all all day, you don't always want to go out. Sure. Um, especially when you're in the county, you're not really close. So Absolutely. Means, Driving in and then driving back, or it means stopping on your way from work. If you've got little children, then um, that's a problem. But, you know, on a Saturday night, um, I think it's just a wonderful family thing to do. Well, I imagine a lot of folks uh, listening share your sentiment, Catherine. So thank you so much for the call. Good. Thank you. Um, and this gets us into something we wanted to talk about, which is the fact that you're engaged in a, a, a very long listening process right now that's about to culminate. That's right. Ma- like Margaret, can you talk about that? Margaret? Yes, we are. The process began last year under the board, and last summer we had a series of eight focus groups in, out in the community and two public forums. The last piece of this, and a very important one, is a community survey. And that will be going out probably around Valentine's Day to 3,000 households in the community. And we want to encourage everyone who sees that that envelope from the library to respond. We need to know what your priorities are, uh, what you'd like to see us focus on for the next three to, to five years in the library. And this is coming off the heels of a series of focus groups as well. Um, right. What's been the complete picture of this process? Uh, well, we started out with the focus groups, uh, as Margaret mentioned, in a couple of of community forums and several community leader interviews last summer. And then um, we've taken a long time to get the survey. We, we wanted to ask – we had 25 pages of questions and we had to boil <laughs> it down to six. So uh, we've got it squeezed into six pages now and it, it should be coming to your mailbox soon. Um, we have a we have a strategic planning committee that is made up of three members of the board, I think six people from the staff, including myself, and several um, community members and a representative of the Friends of the Library. And they will be getting together in early April when we will have the results of the survey back. That's our last community. I mean, I won't say it's our last, but it's our it's final last chance ever. It's the last <laughs> chance. it's the it's the uh, the final piece before they actually start trying to. Um, you know, look at the mission statement and and set some goals for the next few years. Well, I got to ask, at any time in this process, have you been asking the patrons whether or not they would tolerate any form of tax increase to pay for the additional services that they clearly would like? Actually, there is a question. Really? Uh, toward the end of the survey. How is it phrased? Uh, uh, <laughs> well, you know, we've, we have labored over these uh, words. I can't I didn't bring a copy of it with me, but there are four choices. I think the first choice is don't raise taxes, cut services. Mm -hmm. The second choice is um, increase – cut some services, increase fees and raise money Mm -hmm. to cover the – you know, to to save – to cover some of the difference. The third choice is increase fees, raise money, raise taxes. Mm -hmm to cover the difference. And the fourth one is raise taxes. 
There, well. there are some people in the community who think we should not compete with the social service agencies who are raising money mm -hmm. and that we should be strictly paid for by taxes. And so we're very interested to see what, you know, what people yeah, oh, I, I, would choose. I'm, there aren't any easy ones. I'm very excited to see what happens as a result of that <laughs> question. Uh, we've got about 10 more minutes with our guests. I want to remind our folks that you're listening to Noon Edition here on WFIU, and we've got uh, uh, leaders from the Monroe County Public Library here in the studio. John Walsh, who's the president of the Board of Trustees, Sarah Laughlin, who's the interim director, and Margaret Harder, who is the community relations director. We do have time for a couple more calls. If folks would like to call in, you can call us at 855-0811, or it's all free at 877-285-9348 and you can email us at noon at indiana.edu. I do want to touch on uh, some of the staff issues that have been happening in the library uh, lately and uh, there was a vote just before Christmas for the library to recognize the uh, – the staff's request for union representation and now there's a negotiating period that happens along with that. I'm wondering if John Walsh, you could speak to how that's going. Sure. It's going well from our perspective. Uh, we got the request from the organizing committee in April and we moved as quickly as possible on that. Between April and the vote in December, we had the Library Capital Projects Fund and our budget, which have statutory deadlines that we can't ignore. So as soon as those big things were out of the way, we moved on to the collective bargaining. And in December, the board voted overwhelmingly to let the staff make their own decision on whether or not to institute a union at Monroe County Public Library. Uh, the, there'll be an upcoming election uh, probably in late April run by the Indiana Department of Labor. We have a hundred eligible employees who can vote in that election and the administration and board encourages everybody to vote and let their voice be heard. We'll be holding information sessions for employees uh, and resolutions and questions are available on the library's staff intranet. Uh, the board has some concerns about the cost to the library, to the staff who would possibly be paying union dues to the public who would be you know, help foot the bill to do negotiations with the union and so forth. But as I said, the board made a decisive move mm -hmm. to let the staff decide their – make their own decision. Um, I will say also that the – we have a wonderful staff. The staff in our community are the two greatest strengths of our library in my opinion. Um, staff morale is very high I think, especially with Sarah on board. Uh, we have done a number of things to address staff concerns. Uh, the board is more accessible now. We have more opportunities for the staff and public to speak up at board meetings and at work sessions. Our email addresses for all the trustees are on the web so that the board – so that the public can communicate with the board and let their thoughts be heard. Um, well, the last time I sat down and looked at the numbers, I got the impression, and you can verify or, or deny this, that uh, the overall compensation packages, including the benefits enjoyed by uh, employees at the Monroe County Public Library, uh, are a little bit more uh, generous than some of the other public sector employees in the county. I'm thinking particularly of county employees. Um, is, is, that, if, is that true? And if so, is it sustainable? Well, my impression and understanding looking at some of these comparisons is that we're very competitive with other, you know, as you said, county employees and city employees and other public libraries in the state. Um, as I said, we have a wonderful staff. We have well-trained staff. We're in Bloomington with a top library school. Which, so we have people that deserve to be well compensated and we've tried to meet that. Um, you know, it, we have budget issues on the horizon, so it's something we always have to look at. But, you know, we have a strong tradition of a great staff at the library, and we have no history or tradition of layoffs or job losses, and we don't anticipate anything like that. So I think, you know, the future is looking good for the community and the library and the staff. In our remaining minutes, let's talk about some of the other outreach initiatives that you guys have on the horizon. Well, there is always something going on at the library, and I know some of uh, the programmers at the library want me to be sure that your listeners know about some of these. We have 
much of our programming is because we have wonderful partnerships with IU and with groups in the community. We have Lunar New Year coming up, which is a celebration at the library on February 9th done with the IU Asian Cultural Center. Uh, We have the celebration of Dr. Seuss's birthday on March 1st, which is a partnership with the city with Parks and Rec. Um, We have the 25th anniversary of of our Vital Quiz Bowl coming up, and that is a major outreach program for us, is our literacy program. It's been uh, a pioneering program in the state, 30 years, and uh, there's some new possibilities for us to do uh, literacy uh, in the community. And we're also very excited about our emergent literacy program through the Children's Department, Every Child Ready to Read. Anything else anybody would like to add? All right, we got it in. <laughs> uh, we just have a couple of minutes left in the program, um, and I'm going to go ahead and put Sarah Laughlin on the hot seat. Uh, remind our listeners that her title is interim director. Uh, <laughs> I guess you can see where I'm going with this. Um, is there going to be a point at which you're going to have to decide whether or not you want to stay with this and whether or not you and the board are going to have to conversation, have a conversation about the future of the library's leadership? When, when, when the board asked me to, to do this, they, you know, we, we agreed to, to uh, date for a year and then to see if we wanted to make it permanent. I have, um, I, I have a business that I have kind of put on the back burner and I'm going to have to do something about that if I stay, you know. So, mm-hmm. um, but I, I, you know, I do love this library. So uh, I think we'll probably be having a conversation sometime soon about, you know, what, what we want to do. Uh, we really haven't talked about it formally yet. My my charge was to restore trust and confidence, keep going with ongoing initiatives like the planning and the capital projects fund and um, the collective bargaining and um, prepare the library for the next director. All right. So. Well, I want to thank so much for everybody for uh, for attending today. We've had John Walsh, who's the president of the MCPL Board of Trustees, Sarah Laughlin, interim director for now. Uh, Mar- Margaret Harder is the community relations director. And uh, you've been listening to Noon Edition here on WFIU. And we want to thank everyone who called in and made it a great show. Everybody have a great day and stay warm out there. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Have a good afternoon. Noon Edition is a production of WFIU and the Herald Times. A podcast of this and other WFIU programs is available at WFIU.org.